0: Well, hi folks, this is Jack Spirito with the Survival Podcast. Welcome to an episode of Friday Flashbacks. After 15 years and hundreds of interview shows, we decided to run them as flashbacks every Friday. Beginning with the oldest of them and going forward. There's a tremendous library of wisdom in all the great interviews we've done over the years. So sit back and enjoy. Whether this is your first time or even your second time around with today's episode, I'm sure you will enjoy it and learn a lot from it. And remember, you can help support the Survival Podcast and the work we do just by becoming a member of the Survival Podcast Members Support Brigade. If you do that, you'll get access to over 70 awesome discount codes on products and services you likely already use things like seeds, cannabis products, food storage items, custom roasted coffee and even cool stuff like ammo and moonshine stills and more. So support the show, get all your money back and more. Just go to the survivalpodcast.com and click on members to learn more and sign up. Now let's get into today's Friday flashback. And today folks, we are flashing back to March the 11th, 2010, episode 396. The original episode title was an interview with Michael Adam of the Appleseed Project. And with Friday Friday flashbacks, usually that's about all I say in these intros, I want to say a little more today because there's a little more to be said. At the point that this interview was done, we were not quite two years into uh, uh, the Survival Podcast as an entity. We started in June of 2008, so we were uh, 20-ish months into our journey as a thing, as a community, and we had really started to catch fire. I was really, uh, really happy when I got an email from Michael about being on the show, and I love Appleseed, and I was happy to have them on. And I think when you listen to this interview, you'll, you'll hear why. But I wanted to just stop and use this opportunity to say thank you to Michael and the Appleseed Project as a whole. The Survival Podcast became what it is not because Jack Spear goes that good behind a microphone, but because we built this amazing community of people that helped us. And there's probably no organization that at this time in our history had done more for us than Appleseed. Many of the Appleseed shoots are done uh, where they have these rack rifles, basically. So they encourage you to bring your own rifle, but they also have uh, Ruger 1022s that are modified specifically for the type of shooting that they teach. And in some instances, they literally made... We didn't have any decals or logos or anything. There was no gear shop or anything like that. They made their own... Uh, logo stickers of the survival podcast and put them on all their rack rifles Uh, we had instructors like Michael that were always telling people when they would come out to do shoots and get training from Appleseed oh and here are ways to improve your self-sufficiency independence and Liberty and one was always the survival podcast we got a lot of traction because their organization decided to support us Still around and still running shoes, as far as I know, I haven't heard anybody from there for a while. If you're if you're part of Appleseed and you hear this, I'd love to have you back on again. But right now, let's flash back March 11th, 2010. Originally episode 396, Michael Adam from the Appleseed Project. This was a great interview. And with that, I mean, we've knocked it out. We're ready to rock on. I'm gonna have a great show for you guys today. um Long ago, when I first started doing this show, I heard from people that were part of this thing called the Appleseed Project. And I really had no idea what the heck the Appleseed Project was. Um, didn't know what the Revolutionary War Veterans Association was. We'll be talking about that in a second. But uh, over time, I came to really respect the work that they were doing. And I realized that a lot of their philosophies about shooting, being a rifleman, and being a patriot we're very, very similar to my own, probably because we have common roots uh, as grown-up country boys. I think a lot of the folks over there did that, too, and, and having a real respect for this nation. And uh, about a week and a half ago, I guess, I was on uh, the Rifleman radio show uh, with Mike Adam, uh, Michael Adam from, uh, from, from this organization, better known as Scout. And Mike has joined us today. Mike, thanks for joining us today on the Survival Podcast.
1: Well, Jack, thank you. thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, the interview last week that you did on the Rifleman Radio show was just excellent. We're looking to have you back soon.
0: Well, I'll be happy to come back anytime, and I'll be happy to have you or any of your folks come on here because I think what you guys are doing is important. It really is. And you're not just uh, helping people learn to be a rifleman and helping people learn uh, skill sets. You're really tying in the history of things. So kind of starting out with that, can you – can you tell people exactly what is the Revolutionary War Veterans Association and, you know, a little about your background and what motivated you to get involved with this thing in the first place? Well, uh, just
1: like every American, you know, you, you think that you have, uh, or you don't consider the fact that you have duties and obligations, et cetera, to the nation. I mean, you have, uh, you know, you salute the flag and you stand up during the uh, National Anthem, et cetera. But you don't go a whole lot farther than that, or a lot of people don't. Uh, you know, I grew up uh, in kind of a rural area, and uh, you know, I'm sure that you and I probably have a, a great deal in common as far as our uh, as a history of when we grew up and stuff like that. But <clears throat> I uh, I ended up in the in the military, and I spent six years in the military, and I I pretty much thought that, that uh you know that should. Serve as my obligation to my nation. You know, I figured, okay, six years paid in full, and uh, and as I as I went along in life, I I just felt that there was something missing. And then, uh, you know, I think that everybody, a lot of folks, they wake up and uh, they listen to the news and they they hear about the things going on in their nation, and they know it's not right. They know there's something wrong, but. But how would you? How are you going to go about fixing it? How are you going to go about making some kind of change or implementing some change? And uh, and so I started looking for some way to do that, and uh, I ended up with the uh, with the Revolutionary War Veterans Association.
0: Exactly what is, what is the Revolutionary War Veterans Association? Do you have to be a descendant of a revolutionary veteran to be part of that, or is it open to all? I mean, what's its, what's its mission kind of as a standalone, you know, in addition to what Appleseed does?
1: Well, when I first heard about the Revolutionary War Veterans Association, I heard about it from Fred's column in uh, Shotgun News. And, of course, when I first heard about the Revolutionary War Veterans Association, uh, I didn't even read the column because I thought, oh, great. There's a bunch of guys in frilly shirts, uh, you know, walking around with, uh, you know, with trying to do the Renaissance Festival type accents, and I just, I, I can't get involved with that. And, uh, and actually, the Revolutionary War Veterans Association is dedicated, uh, to teaching a, uh, an absolutely fantastic Fundamentals of Rifle Marksmanship course, but more than that, it's dedicated to honoring the men and women who came before us. Uh, we, we didn't just end up here today out of nowhere in this nation. There was a long line of people who've come before us who, that formed the nation, uh, in some cases making great sacrifices, even the, the ultimate sacrifice of paying with their lives, so that we would have the nation that we have today and that we would be able to enjoy the, the freedoms and liberties that we have. So... We already start off on the day we're born with a huge debt that we owe these people, and and how can we repay it? And the answer is we can't repay it. There's no way to pay those people back for what they did, for the sacrifices they made, for all the things they did in order that we would have this country and these liberties. However, what we can do is we can honor them. And to honor them, we remember them. Because by remembering someone, you honor them. Whenever you... When your grandfather or your great-grandfather dies, he's only dead until you all sit in a circle and you talk about uh, what Grandpa, how he shot a squirrel off the, the picnic table in the backyard one day or something like that, and then he's, then he's living again, and then you remember him, and you remember the things that he did for you, and that's what we do. We, uh, we teach at Fundamentals of Rifle marksmanship course, and while we're doing that, we tell folks about the history of our nation and how it all got started on April 19, 1775 at Lexington Green, at the North Bridge in Concord, and then along Battle Road back to Boston.
0: You know, that's, that's so important because I think that a big part of what you started out the conversation with about having a sense of duty and honor and a debt to be paid uh, and a, a certain obligation just because you have the freedom of being an American citizen. I, I think that when people reconnect with how you got that in the first place, then all of a sudden it starts to make sense as to why that would be the case. And it's, it's something that I've said repeatedly in other ways where uh, if your neighbor's in trouble, it's your obligation to help them. And I've heard people say there's no law that says that. Well, duty and honor have absolutely, well, you know, they might be related to the law, but in and of themselves have nothing to do with legality. It's about doing the right thing for the, for the right reasons, and I think a lot of our, our young people have lost touch with that. So I really love what you all are doing there. Let, let's move on and talk a little bit more about uh, the program itself, Appleseed, exactly what is... Uh, what is Appleseed, and, 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 and you know what, what is the goal of Appleseed as a whole, I guess would be a great right way to put it, and what could a person expect if they were at an Appleseed event?
1: All right, well, Appleseed is the sole project of the Revolutionary War Veterans Association. That means that's the only thing that, uh, that we're running out of that project, and the Appleseed project is is basically just that. You think back to Johnny Appleseed. He went across the nation and he planted apple seeds. Why? So that he could have some apple trees that he could eat the delicious fruit off of? No. Uh, he didn't do that. He planted the seeds, and then he didn't sit there and nurture them. He didn't sit there and make sure that they grew and water them, etc. He planted those seeds. He made sure that they were in the ground, and then he moved on, and he did it again and again and again. And because of that, uh, n- not immediately, but because of that, uh, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 100 years later, there's apple trees all across uh, the areas that he went to. Now, that's what we're doing. When we have uh, an apple seed uh, event, what we're doing is we're getting the folks together and uh, we're telling them, well, first of all, we have uh, the rifle marksmanship instruction. And, and even though I'm going to tell you that that's not the real point of the program, we have the best Fundamentals of ROTC program in the nation, but when we get the people to the program, we tell them uh, about their duties, about their their obligations to the nation, and we ha- we try and help them remember what it means to be an American. That it's okay to have a code to live by, and we want people to remember that. So <clears throat> when you come to an Appleseed event. What we're doing is we're trying to get people off of the couch, get them off the couch, get them involved back in uh, becoming an American, remembering what it means to be an American, remembering how to do their duty, and just like Johnny Appleseed, well, we don't we don't try and tell them what to think. We don't try and handhold them uh, all along the way. What we do is we get them to the event and we go here. This is what this is the deal now. You have an obligation to your nation, and from this moment on, you can do one of two things: you can either forget that we said it, put your head back in the sand, and uh, ignore the the problems in the nation today, or you can stand up and say, "All right, now that I know, now that I know that it's my duty, now that I know it's my obligation, and then I need to do something, then I'm going to do it." And what that means is you're going to do whatever it takes for you as an individual. To help solve the problem.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, kind of on that note, what would you say if you know when we, we hear somebody say "rifleman"? I think that most people in their head immediately get an image uh, of, a, of, a, of a usually a man. Of course, of course, you have plenty of women in your your project, but just by the terminology, think of a guy standing there with a rifle. What would you tell people listening today the difference between a man with a rifle and a rifleman is?
1: Well. A man with a rifle is just that. Uh, that rifle could be sitting in the closet, uh, gathering dust, uh, and that man could just have just a vague recollection that there might be a rifle somewhere in the house, uh, without having to, without knowing how to use it, without knowing anything about it. Uh, that is the that's the very bottom baseline of it. <clears throat> now, a rifleman, every day of his life, for one thing, he. he He learns to become the master of his rifle, just as he would any other tool. Just as he would, uh, if he's going to get a hammer, he's going to learn how to use the hammer. If he gets a saw, he's going to learn how to use the saw, all the things that it can do, and he's going to be the best sawman that he can be. The same thing with a rifleman. A rifleman spends every day of his life trying to improve himself, his family, his home, his community, his state, his nation, and he's always trying to teach. He's always trying to, to pass on that knowledge to someone else.
0: It's very cool. So you'd say like, uh, you said a hammer. So like a carpenter. His, his main tool might be a hammer, but that is just one piece of who he is. There's many other tools, components, and techniques he would use to practice his trade and pass it on. So the rifleman, really the rifle is his main tool, but there's many other things that he's involved in. There's a, there's a pretty big requirement that there's a sense of honor and duty there too as well,
1: right? And I tell folks, when they come to an event, that uh, now at an Appleseed event, well, you'll spend two days sh- shooting. You'll spend two days learning how to, uh, learning the skills and techniques that are required uh, for you to shoot down to four minutes of arc uh, with a rat grade rifle and standard surplus ammunition. Four minutes of arc is uh, one inch at 82 feet. So, I'll tell the people that once you have achieved that standard, once, and we, we gauge this, we'll have a, uh, we have a, uh, like a shooting test called the AQT, and, and we just took the old uh, Army qualification test, and we have them shoot it. And uh, then you're scored, you score the shots that are made on the target. <clears throat> and I tell the folks then and there that, being a rifleman is much more than the than the score of two ten or above, which is what it takes to get the rifleman's patch two ten or above gets you the rifleman's patch, but the rifleman's patch doesn't make you a rifleman. Uh, I look at it more like a key a key to the door that lets you open a door to begin your trail your journey uh, as a rifleman uh, that you you have to live. The life of a rifleman. You know, much like we were talking about on the last, uh, when we were talking last at the, uh, the show, you had your, you had the plan of how you live your life according to, uh, you integrate it with the plan of, of surviving, uh, you know, most eventualities. The same thing with living your life as a rifleman. You do the same thing. Uh, you make your, you give yourself, uh, a code that you live by, you know, a sense of honor, courage, duty, commitment. A rifleman adapts, a rifleman uh, overcomes, and a rifleman persists. I mean, you don't stop until you get it done. And uh, and that is what we're trying to tell people, uh, the difference between uh, being a simple rifle owner and being a rifleman.
0: And kind of on that note, I mean, there's people out there listening to this show that have been shooting their whole lives, if they if you, if you put them at that uh, 82 foot mark and, and and ask them to do what you just said they need to do to qualify, they can do that. But they've never been to one of your shoots. Um, and if they're if they're sitting here thinking, well, okay, it's the, the sense of honor and duty, and being able to shoot that well at that distance, and I have that already, you know, maybe kind of what more do I need? Because you guys get into things like the cadence of shooting uh, at speeds and the effectiveness with the rifle. A lot of things that I guess some people would look at and see kind of tactical in nature. And some other folks out there are, you know, they're hunters, they're, they're fishermen, they're outdoorsmen. They have a rifle to protect their home if they have to. But when you start getting them into that kind of that up, up level of tactical skill set, they, they maybe think, I don't really need that level. Why, why do you think that the civilian needs that level of proficiency that's not going to be a soldier, they're not going to be in law enforcement, uh, and they're not going to be out doing reenactments like we talked about earlier, but you still want them to have that kind of a mastery of the weapon? What's the value in that for that person?
1: Well, I think a lot of that first harkens back immediately to what we're talking about, about being a rifleman. It's about having the proficiency. Uh, we want you to use the rifle as a tool, and we want you to be not we want you, we want you to not be just good at it. We want you to be uh, great at it. We want you to have the skills and techniques that put you and uh, whenever you go through a, a Appleseed event, you go through the two days and you score two turn or above on the rifleman's AQt uh, <clears throat> That puts you in the top 99.9999% of rifle owners in America. We want you to be as skilled as you possibly can be with this, with your tool. Just because, as with any tool, you should never accept uh, mediocrity. You should strive for excellence in it. So we teach we teach you the fundamentals uh, of rifle marksmanship. We teach you uh, first of all how to get uh, how to. Get a rock solid shooting position. Uh, then how to uh, execute the shot by the six steps, and uh, and then how to follow through on it. Now, there's a lot involved in this, and just because you've been shooting for a long time, it doesn't mean that you know all of this. We've got uh, folks, uh, we have folks that show up at the events all the way from never touched a rifle. To people that have been shooting competitively for 40, 50 years, uh, SWAT snipers, Marine Corps snipers. One of my instructors is a SWAT sniper, and uh, when he got, uh, he was already a SWAT sniper before he came to the course. But uh, and now he's an instructor because of how much he learned at the event. So we're going to be teaching you the fundamentals you will use for the rest of your life in shooting, and uh, we don't. We're not going to teach you to shoot because you need to shoot in a military way. We're teaching you to shoot because there's really one way to shoot, and that is uh, that is shooting every time you picking up you pick up a rifle to shoot it as a rifleman. Because along with the the skills and te- techniques that we're teaching you, we're also hammering in uh, uh, everything else you need to know about it: the safety. When you were talking earlier about the cadence, that's a natural thing, how you're going to shoot at the rifleman's cadence. That means one round of aimed fire every two to three seconds. Uh, we're going to teach you how to uh, uh, change magazines without losing your natural point of aim. Uh, we're going to teach you how to shoot in different positions. And This isn't because we want you to be some type of a military uh, marksman, it's because these are things that you're going to encounter in your shooting life. I don't care Correct. if you're shooting, uh, if you're shooting at deer, if you're shooting at targets. Even if you're shooting at a target, I can guarantee you at some point your rifle is going to get empty. And you're Correct. going to have to start, you're going to have to load it and then, uh, start shooting again. So this isn't aimed at any type of a military, uh, kind of thing. At Appleseed, we don't have any politics. We don't have any ideology. We don't do any training, uh, per se, as training infers something to be used at some future date. We're, We're not doing that. We're just teaching you how to shoot a rifle.
0: Very cool. And, you know, you just said something that I find very profound, and I think it's something that people need to hear and have reinforced, and you said there is one way to shoot a rifle. I've been telling people that forever, and if you think about the way the rifle evolved over time, like the very first rifles were, you know, in fact, smoothbore muskets, but way, way back with uh, matchlock technology, and they didn't have a real stock, and pretty much they were just held and pointed out of formation and fired uh, in warfare, but very quickly from that point, The rifle evolved into something that was built by craftsmen in a very specific way to fit the human anatomy in a very specific way. And once we got to that point several hundred years ago, yeah, there's a big difference between the Brown Best Musket and the Remington Model 700 bolt action. In, in some ways, but in some ways, there's almost no difference. The, 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 the fundamental design of the weapon itself, the way the comb of the stock is designed for a cheek weld, the length of pull, the balance of the weapon, one's much bigger and heavier, but it's still balanced in the same way. There is one way to shoot a rifle, because it was designed to be shot that way, so one of my struggles with instructing people is they say, well, I don't do it that way. And I, and I hate to ever speak in absolutes, but the only answer to that is, well, then you're doing it wrong. <laughs> right, and
1: we're, not, we're never going to tell you you have to do it the way we do it. Now, we will say, look, you paid your 70 bucks, or in many cases it's free, but if you paid your 70 bucks, hey, give us a shot.
0: Right, we tell you and try it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember the, when in the military they were pretty much the same way. We don't care what you think you already know. You're you're going to shoot this way now, and I guess you guys, you know, since you're not in the military, you have to be a little uh, more lenient than that. But that is kind of the point. If you're going to someone and saying, "Help me uh, improve what I'm doing," then you got to give that instructor the benefit of the doubt and kind of follow along the path.
1: Right. And this isn't something that we just cooked up. What the, the techniques that we're going to show you, the skills that we're going to teach you, are not something that we just developed. We are using a system that has been distilled down through. Uh, hundreds of millions of rounds and over 400 years of rifle shooting. All we've done is taken it and put it into a streamlined package that we can give you. So the stuff that you're learning isn't stuff that – it's not off-the-wall stuff that that you've never heard of before. In in some cases, it might be. Some people never knew that uh, their sling was for shooting, not just for training rifles.
0: Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, but you know what? I'll tell you what. So basically what you're saying is it's not you're not learning the apple seed method of shooting. You're being instructed by the apple seed method of instruction for the way to shoot that everybody's supposed to shoot anyway. Right. right,
1: this is the way. This is the this is the the skills and techniques that have been boiled down from like you're saying from using a uh uh you know a steel tube and a round rock and some uh, hand-mixed black powder, all the way now down to the the high-power rifles, the uh, precision match rifles. These are the things, uh, the skills and techniques are still the same. They've just been boiled down, and we put it in a two-day course for you.
0: Very cool. And uh, people hear history, and some people are like, oh, man, history. And I, I think this audience is actually pretty cool on history because I talk about it a lot. But what, is, what are some of like history lessons that people learn blended into to an apple shoot?
1: Well, when you come to an apple seed shoot, as I said, you're going to get the rifle marksmanship. But that is just a small part of what you're going to get. We're going to talk to you about the history of America. We're going to talk to you. Now, we can't tell you. All of the history of America, right? Because sure. uh, that would take 234 years, and, and by the time we, be, we finish, we'd be 234 years behind. So we can't tell you every single bit of history, but we can get you started on it. We can get you to understand that our history, the history of America, is some of the most exciting uh, of the Revolutionary War period, some of the most exciting in our history. For folk, folks that think that it's a dull, dry, dusty uh, era, listen, you're, you're very mistaken. The Revolutionary War period has some of the most, uh, exciting events that have occurred in our nation's history. Some of the most he- heroic men, uh, some of the most romantic women, and it's a very exciting time. And what we'll do is we've decided to give you the history of one day, of April 19th, 1775. We're going to start you off there because that's the day that our nation was, was birthed. And we'll tell you about that day in three parts. We call it the three strikes of the match story. And it starts off with the an introduction to why uh the situation was what it was uh in seventeen seventy five, how he had gotten there, and then we'll take you to Paul Revere's ride here alerting the uh the New England countryside. And then to the events that occurred at Lexington Green on April 19th, 1775. Then the next section will be a, uh, uh, the story will be about what happened uh, a few hours later at the North Bridge in Concord. And then we'll also tell you about what happened on, along Battle Road back to Boston. And the stories uh, that we're telling you, it's not a uh, it's not a dry, dusty story. Uh, the story is told by instructors who were filled with passion uh, about these events, filled with uh, the desire to tell the story of these uh, American heroes, uh, you know, folks that they deserve to have their story told again and again, and they deserve to be listened to by, by the folks who are attending. And one of the reasons that we tell the story is because we won't be able to understand that the the separation between people today and those people uh, on April nineteenth, seventeen seventy five, is not an uncrossable gulf. There is a direct line. And I don't care if you just got your citizenship papers this week. Once you got your papers, you're American. Then that's it. You're locked in, and you have a direct connection stretching straight back to April nineteenth, seventeen seventy five. That same blood, that same spirit flows in your veins and runs through your heart. The desire to be an American, to be the best you can and to do the best you can for your for your family, for your home, your community, your state, your nation. That still is in you. And all you have to do is turn that switch on and let it run. Let it out.
0: Yeah, you said something really interesting. And I think a lot of times that new American that just didn't show, you know, just wasn't born here and takes it for granted I think, in some ways, is more in touch with that path back to those great historical people than we are because they had to work at something to be an American. They had to sacrifice to become an American. I think a lot of people today were just born into it. We see being an American as our birthright, and I always put it this way. The rights that are protected in this nation that are not protected elsewhere are the birthright of all human beings, and you're blessed to be in a place where they're recognized.
1: Right. Endowed by our creators, and that is uh, that is across the world, and you're absolutely right. Now, the folks that show up here at the event uh, from around the world, and I get a lot of different folks. I get Russians, uh, Chinese, uh, Polish, Czechoslovakians, uh, you name it. And the one thing they all have in common <clears throat> is they listen. They listen to what I'm saying. And why do they listen? Because they've experienced...
0: Uh, the alternative yeah right Right.
1: they've experienced governments that don't uh, have any interest in safeguarding their liberties and their freedoms and they're glad to be here and they're more than glad to be involved in a program that's going to help safeguard those freedoms and liberties they didn't have that in their country and they're here they're here lining up saying listen uh, we want you to understand that what happened to us could happen to you and i'm here today to get involved to make sure that it doesn't happen in this country.
0: Uh, you know, I've said something before. I'd like to get your thoughts on this. I've said I've said there's a lot of people out there, kind of on the fringes uh, of uh, the patriot movement and all, that feel that the uh, the rifleman is part of the revolution. And, and my feeling is that a nation that's not stable is a nation that experiences revolutions. And that at this point, because we have a constitution, if we can just remember what it says, the rifleman's place today is actually it prevents us from having revolutions. That's part of why we're not a banana republic, when you know, one side's just mad at, mad at the other, we don't have military coup d'etats in this nation, because the people of this nation are the ones that don't allow it, they're the ones that stand up and say, hey, look, we'll sort it out, but uh, we're going to keep the peace, and I, I think that the rifleman is largely a peacekeeper in our country, and maybe not a, maybe not to the level of need today, but as our nation was being formed, I don't think people get what it was like to be in the United States in 1830. I mean, it, it, having an armed society at that point was really necessary just to keep it together.
1: Right. And, you know, the with the whole idea of your audience and your message, which is uh, the survival uh, of individuals and communities, et cetera. Now, one of the best ways to survive a situation is to make sure that that thing doesn't happen in the first place. Got it, and uh, and that's what we're dedicated to doing. Uh, I tell the folks who show up in an event. I go, look, if you came here thinking that we're going to tell you the change is going to come from the barrel of a rifle, you're sadly mistaken because it's not. Uh, change, real and lasting change, is going to come from your your pen, your vote. <clears throat> the reason that we're here is to honor those people who already made that sacrifice, who already did uh, stand in ranks and uh, and they did that so that we wouldn't have to do it again. Exactly. And the reason that we're the reason that we're together is to make sure that people understand that there doesn't have to be any type of uh, armed conflict because the the constitution that we have uh, allows for us to make changes peacefully. So, as a rifleman, your job is to make sure that there never is a need for a rifle. That there never is a need for uh, for any armed conflict, and that I think goes right in line with the with your survival ethic, and that's making sure that that you're doing what you can to prevent any problems in the future uh, by making sure that you're involved in how the future comes running up on you.
0: And on the other side of that, if we should have to, well, we're we're capable, and that's like it's it's the thing. I hope it never comes to it, but if it does, I'll be prepared. And uh, I think that's really noble. Let, let's kind of move for the the guys out there that are gun gun guys, though, because I know it's probably even at them and they want to know what what's the if you go to an appleseed shoot, what's the what's the general let's say uh, rifle of choice at an apple suit shoot?
1: Well, <clears throat> the original rifle marksmanship program is designed around the 30 caliber battle rifle. And that's just because uh, uh, that is, that was the uh, the Army's uh, the Civilian Show Ship Program, etc. That was their uh, rifle. So it's designed around a 30 caliber uh, battle rifle. So an M1
0: mm-hmm. or an M- M14, right?
1: Right. An, an M1 Durand or an M14. That's what it was designed around. <laughs> so that's what that is like the the baseline that we teach at, and uh, of course the reasons for that are, are pretty obvious. Is that uh, a lot of rifles uh, they don't have the the power or, or the accuracy to to reach out to uh, four and five hundred meters, uh, you know, and consistently stay within the four minute of arc uh, uh, standard that we require. Now, when you go to an event, it'll be two days. It'll be Saturday and Sunday and uh, because of the tremendous increase in the cost of ammunition, and that's another one of those things where you wish, you know, you wish you would have bought uh, 100,000 uh, know, or a million rounds because uh, has done, yeah, <laughs> ammunition has done better than, uh, than precious metals. It's done you know, better in the market. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, But because of the increase in price, and we shoot about uh, four to 500 rounds on a weekend, so if you're shooting 30 caliber, then that's going to run you anywhere from, uh, you know, from 200 to to 500 rounds, 500 dollars for the weekend. And what we've done is we have we've allowed now the use of the rimfire rifles because at uh, the 25 meter, the 82 foot line, you can use your rimfire and you can learn all of these skills and techniques uh, that you need. With the rimfire, and then those will translate directly over to your 30 caliber uh, rifle. Now, as far as the the most rifles I see uh, in the rimfires, it would be the Ruger 1022, because that's just a good stock rifle. Uh, it's easily, you know, uh, converted into all different types uh, of platforms, and there's all kinds of add-ons, etc. And it's a very uh, 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 very rugged uh, rifle, and uh, and then on the uh, the next I would probably see the most would be the ARs. I see the people using different AR platforms, and then uh, after that, it's uh, it's usually M14s. But I see a lot of Garands and
0: uh, There's and a lot of them uh, still available at some pretty good prices through CMP. Right,
1: and uh, and on on that note that. Uh, one of the things that coming to an Appleseed event will do is uh, it will help you get one of the qualifications uh, that you'll need. We'll actually even give you a signed certificate uh, saying that you completed the uh, Appleseed Rifle Marksmanship course. Uh, it's the the uh, certificate you'll need, along with a couple of other things, being a member of a uh, shooting organization and a couple of other things, for you to get uh, a rifle by mail from the CMP.
0: That's very cool. I think that's, that's a huge benefit, folks, that you guys need to think about, another incentive to get down there, because uh, I'm going to be honest with you. Those, uh, those M1s that are uh, sitting in the CMP program are not going to be there forever, and I've watched the price of them steadily increase over the years, and you can still get one very affordably. If you go out and get a nice-shaped grand in a, uh, a gun shop right now, somewhere between $1,000 and $1,500 is what I see them going for, and I still see them on CMP for 400 bucks. Um so I never even I didn't I never even really thought about that. I'm prior service military and I have a CNR, so that and uh part of the Texas state rifle association so that knocks it out for me but there's uh, people without the prior military service that need that additional piece to be able to participate. Um that's that's really cool scout thanks for bringing that up.
1: Yeah, the, the day of getting a uh a M1 Garand for 200 bucks those days are gone. gone,
0: and, and I remember when they were 150. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. Well, I also remember when you could get three Swedish Mausers for uh, ninety five dollars. But uh, I guess those days are gone too. So yeah. you don't have a lot of guys there slinging bolt actions around or anything like that. It is pretty much a semi-auto uh, environment.
1: Well, the only reason is because uh, we're we're teaching a really uh, an intensive course. What we're trying to do is we're trying to get uh, a week's worth of instruction down into you in the two days.
0: So you're doing a lot of shooting, so you need the rate of fire to be commensurate with that.
1: Right, and what we're doing is we're getting you, first we're teaching you uh, certain skills and certain techniques that they will apply to your bolt action, believe me. But if you're working the bolt, it's going to get in between you and learning the technique. that's not saying that you can't come with a bolt action and shoot. You can. I'm just saying that the, the skills and techniques that we're teaching you usually work a little bit easier if you're shooting with a semi-auto, and then they'll transfer directly to your bolt.
0: How do you guys ensure safety at your shoots? I know that's a huge priority for you.
1: Safety is our number one, our prime directive, and that runs uh, from the moment you get there until the end of the shoot. Safety is always going to be our prime directive, and we do that <clears throat> by introducing you to the safety rules right when you first get there. Uh, we ask folks to leave their rifles in their vehicles when they arrive at the event because we don't know who's going to show up. It could be uh, uh, it could be a uh, a SWAT sniper, or it could be a person who's never uh, held a rifle before. Don't have any idea if there's a round in the chamber, etc.
0: Might have bought it up folks, Walmart on the way there, right? That
1: that has happened. We've had folks <laughs> show up with uh, a truckload. They they wiped out two or three pawn shops on the way down. Uh, to hand out to the to the kids that they brought with them, and uh, so we ask folks to leave their rifles in their vehicles. They come down, they get the uh, they'll get a class there on the safety rules, safety, safety techniques, and then uh, even though we're going faster in the day, it's it's nonstop safety concerns. Whenever you go through an apple heat event, not only will you get the shooting skills and techniques. And a dose of history. You're also going to be given a class, an intense class, on rifle safety, on how to make sure that your rifle is safe, how to uh, to to be safe around the rifles, what to look for in a rifle, how to clear your rifle, etc. So, uh, for anyone uh, wondering about the safety at an apple seed, uh, it is uh, it is our prime directive. And it's the the main thing that motivates us uh, during the course of the two day uh, the two day clinic is safety.
0: And you know, you you guys do have, from what I've seen, the best rifle marksmanship instruction anywhere. Period. And I, I mean, I don't care if I offend uh, anyone anywhere when I say that. Um, and can you tell people maybe what it takes? Because uh, if I come out there and I shoot and I qualify and I get my rifleman patch, I can't just tomorrow show up and be an instructor. There's a process that's much more involved to become certified as an instructor. What do your What do your instructors go through? What do they know by the time they're at the head of the class teaching it? Well, you brought
1: up a good point. Because because you actually can uh, go to a couple of Apple feed events, shoot uh, to the uh rifle and standards get 2 or above in your AQT then you can ask to become an instructor and we'll give you the orange hat so you can begin learning how to teach Then, now you won't be an instructor you'll just be in in the apprentice uh program the way that we uh that we get our that we get our instructors up to speed uh, there are several methods because this is an all volunteer organization all-volunteer, grassroots, nonprofit organization. and uh, So we can't tell people, all right, if you're going to be an instructor, here's what you have to do. You have to go straight to one of our rifleman boot camps, uh, which we would like for them to do, but we can't just tell them to do that. A rifleman's boot camp is an eight-day course, and that's where most of our instructors start out at. Uh, it's an eight-day course in rifle marksmanship, and then on the end of it, we teach you how to instruct. Uh, how to teach the uh, the Appleseed uh, course of fire, how to teach the methods and techniques that we use. And then you will actually begin your apprentice instruction at the end of that uh, event. So you have six days of instruction, and then you'll get to teach at the end of it. As I said, you won't be an instructor. You won't be a, a full instructor, but you'll just be an apprentice. And then you can also go to uh two events, and then shoot to rifleman standards, and then you can come to what we call an instructor boot camp. It's a three-day course where we teach you how to teach uh, the appleseed techniques. And then, of course, the third method, which takes a long time, is uh, is what we call appleseed on the trail method. And that means that you will be uh, you'll come to a couple of events, you'll shoot to rifleman standards, and then you'll begin learning how to teach by going to events and apprenticing uh, under the instructor's air. But our instructors, uh, we have, uh, before you become an instructor, you'll have uh, even around 150 hours of uh, classes and, uh, and instruction on how to instruct before you get your instructor certification. And we're really serious uh, about that. And uh, not only uh, not only about the ability to teach the skills and techniques that we use, but about being able to tell the story too. If you can't tell the story, the three strikes of the match story, then you're, you won't be an instructor.
0: Because that's as big a part of it as shooting the rifle.
1: That's right. That's just isn't. That's that thats thats the main thrust of our program. So if you can't do that, then you're not going to ever be certified as an instructor.
0: <clears throat> Very cool. Real quick, could you give people, as we're getting ready to start wrapping up here, if I said to you, what does it mean to be a master of your rifle? What does that mean to you? Uh,
1: to be a master of your rifle means that, that you are familiar uh, with all the, uh, all the procedures, all the mechanical uh, needs of the rifle, and then you are also familiar with, that, uh, with all the techniques used to shoot that rifle to rifleman standards. And by that, I mean uh, not just uh, knowing how to shoot that rifle uh, on a nice, dry, clear summit day, uh, but knowing how to shoot it in all types of weather, uh, knowing how the rifle shoots, how it shoots in all right. types of weather, knowing how you interact with the rifle in all types of weather situations, how you do... Uh, on Saturday morning when it's nice, bright, and clear, as opposed to how you're going to shoot on Sunday evening when it's uh, 35 degrees and pouring down rain and you're tired, your rifle is dirty, knowing how the the rifle and the rifleman interact and still make sure that they uh, are shooting to rifleman standards and putting rounds on the
0: target. Very cool, and I mean, I, I take it to the point, too, that you actually become intimately familiar with your rifle, where uh, I have this old Model 25 Marlin uh, 22, and there's a million of them out there just like it. But I swear to God, if you hand me anyone other than mine and you put me in a blindfold and I shoulder it, I'm going to tell you right away, this is not my rifle. And if you measure them and you weigh them, there is no difference. But every tool is unique. And, I, you know, you have a rifle for 30 years that actually has parts of your your fingers and your hands have actually changed the shape of the the comb. And, and, and I'll tell you right now there is no way on God's green earth you could hand me any model 25 Marlin where I would think it was mine I would know even blindfolded, that it is not my gun and uh, it, it's uh, I think that takes time but I, I don't think that you have to like focus on that it just if you just do the things you're talking about, you develop and I hate to put it this way but you develop that relationship with your rifle.
1: No, we ask folks, I, I tell folks in the course of dance that I, I want you to become intimately familiar with your rifle platform. That means that you should be able to know, you should be able to blindfold it, you should be able to uh, touch the rifle, you should be able to tell uh, whether or not the safety is on, whether or not there's a mag in it. You should be able to reach down with your eyes closed, pick up the magazine, and by holding it in your hand, know which way the rounds are oriented, know how to get it into the rifle, know how to chamber a round, know how to clear the rifle. Uh, all of this, uh, even with your eyes closed, it could, should become second nature to you. Uh, and in the course of a weekend, you'll go a long way toward achieving that. Very cool.
0: So, hey, you actually have your own podcast you do weekly, right? you want to tell folks about that? Sure. I,
1: I do a show. It's a live show on Tuesday nights. It's uh, 7 p.m. Central on Blog Talk Radio. And uh, you can get to it by going to dot blogtalkradio.com dot backslash Appleseed Radio, and that's at uh, seven PM Central on uh, Tuesday night.
0: And you guys talk about more than uh, riflecraft on there as well. I mean, you guys had me on there, but I looked at some of your past guests. You have a lot of gun talk on there, but you got a lot of other talk too about good citizenship, history, a uh, little, I guess, a little bit of uh, current events, kind of a lot of things thrown in, but kind of all centered around the rifleman philosophy.
1: Exactly. We have uh, – well, we try and cover it all. We don't, we don't, we don't get into uh, what I call iceberging, and that's pointing out uh, specific problems or specific uh, dangers like uh, House Bill XYZ or, sure. or this or that, because at the Appleseed Program, uh, we understand that you're always going to have uh, weather. You're always going to have – it's going to rain next week, and then it's, maybe it's going to snow, and then it's going to hail. Uh, if you live in Texas, you may that may be just one week of uh, you know of weather. What we're trying to do is is look at the bigger picture, which is the the climate. We want to change the climate, and the reason is because those icebergs that are out there. And we actually have an analogy that kind of follows this, talking about the Titanic and the, the folks. There were guys actually up in the crow's nest on the Titanic, and they were actually looking out to see to look for the icebergs and uh, they saw the iceberg that they were going to hit, and they yelled down, and they tried to move, and, and they couldn't. They hit the iceberg, but the ship ended up sinking. Well, now, even if they would have missed it, even if those guys would have yelled out and they caused that ship to veer around it, guess what? There's another one down behind behind that one.
0: They were sailing in the wrong one behind place, that,
1: right? Right. <laughs> right. So, so yelling at the icebergs, looking at the weather, is isn't going to fix things. What you're going to have to do is you're going to have to change the climate. You have to change the climate in the nation so that the icebergs never form, that the House bill, XYZ, never comes up for a vote because nobody would put it up. Because they're dead that would be scared to do it,
0: right? Because right. people know their constitution. and I mean, I think that's, you know, uh, politics. I try not to get too specific with anything myself because it really comes down to the fact that we've lost what the people that were more connected to the folks you're talking about used to discuss. In, you know, let's say, uh, very early stages of our nation, 1805, 1810, and, and the Congress was looking at doing something, people didn't debate, per se, whether they should do this or not. The main debate that the men would have in the beer pub would be, are they allowed to do this? It is the Constitution, permit them to do this. And I'd love to see us get back into that climate, like you're saying, great word for it, because a lot of the nonsense we deal with, we wouldn't even talk about it, because they'd know, because this is, you know, they still have to apply for their job once every two or six years, or four years, depending on what one, and they'd know that if people were with that type of awareness... You know we can all disagree about how to solve a problem, but we all should be agreeing on kind of our foundational law. So that's cool. I'm glad you guys keep the politics at a very, very high level when you do bring it up, because uh, it keeps you from getting into minutia that just is counterproductive. Um, where can people learn more about apple seats? Sign up, go to a shoot, stuff like that.
1: If you go to RWVA, Revolutionary War Veterans Association. If you go to RWVA.org, that'll take you to our homepage. And on the home page, there's all the links there uh, to find out how to get to an event. If you go to the rwva.org homepage, page, uh, look up to the left, the top left corner, you'll see uh, a tab that says Appleseed. You click on that, and then look down. It'll give you a drop-down menu. Look on that menu for Schedule. Click on Schedule, and that will take you to the page that lists all the events. So if you want to go to an event, you Go to rwva.org, click on Appleseed, go down to Schedule, click on that, and that will take you to the page that lists all the events. Now, once you do decide to go to an event, we really encourage you to pre-register because we're doing this not just locally, we're doing this across the nation. Uh matter of fact, we have uh, the April 19th weekend. That's our signature weekend. Uh, we'll be having over 100 shoots. Simultaneously, nationwide, border to border, coast to coast. So that means we've got hundreds and hundreds of instructors trying to figure out which, you know, how to get to a place and uh, airports and hotels, rental cars, etc. And then supplies that have to be shipped. So if you decide you're going to come to our event, we ask you to please to to pre-register. Now, March 16th, uh, on the Blog Talk Radio, on the Rifleman Radio show, uh, we're going to have uh, David Hackett Fisher, and uh, Fisher wrote uh, the definitive work on Paul Revere called Paul Revere's Ride, and uh, he'll be on the show then to answer folks' questions about the events of April 19th, 1775. So if you get a chance on uh, March 16th, please tune into the show, 7 p.m. Central Time.
0: Very cool, man. Thanks for being here with us today. You got any final thoughts for folks, any final words of wisdom? Uh,
1: Just said every one of us has to make a decision uh, about what we're going to do, uh... with our lives and we have to make a decision or we have an obligation to make sure that the nation that we leave behind for us uh, be- behind for all, those who come after is a better one a better one for all those people who come, who come after us. for our kids our grandkids our great grandkids and and for the millions of people who will never see or know it is still our sacred obligation to leave a better nation for them uh, than what we got.
0: Very, very cool, Scott. Thanks for joining us this evening, Thank folks. You, Jack. Folks, and I'll tell you what—I will have. Uh I'll have links in the show notes to, 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 to Michael's show, uh, to the Revolutionary War Veterans Association, and to the Apple Appleseed Project. I, I recommend you check it out. I recommend that you uh, learn the history and learn the craft of the rifle, and I think this is a great way to do it. Uh, I want you to understand why I, I would bring uh, Michael on the show here for you. It's not just because I needed the show to, to load while I was on vacation. It's because... Being a rifleman is something near and dear to my heart, and it has, I guess, a little bit to do with my military service, but it has more to do with the fact that I grew up as a a young man in the coal region of Pennsylvania, and I was expected, not not asked to, but expected to go out on occasion and bring home something to eat so that our family could eat because we didn't really have a a lot of other ways uh, to get things done back then. We weren't exactly the most well-off folks. And um, I, I do not resent that at all. Uh, I am more grateful for that than than many things uh, that, that other people might think I might be more grateful in my life. Those those somewhat hard times are a big part of what made me who I am, and uh, that's why I have a, a 30-year-old Marlin twenty two that you couldn't trick me with another one from because I have developed that relationship with that rifle over those years, and I have a deer rifle that I kind of put in the same category. Let me tell you, there is no substitute for being connected to the roots of this nation through firearms and I know some people may be cringe at that a little bit but we are America because of the rifle and there is no way around that and the two are not separable and that's why it was written into the first changes to our Constitution so I think if you want to support that I always tell you to be a responsible owner and get good training if you haven't had it I think you couldn't get any better training than showing up at a, an Appleseed shoot and uh, at $70 to show up I think it's probably one of the greatest values in America today so again Mike thanks for being on the show tonight folks check out Appleseed this has been- Jack Spirico with Mike Adam today, helping you figure out how to live that better life when times get tough, or even if they don't. You can
1: scream, and you can holler, it really
0: doesn't matter, it all gets spent. Well, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Survival Podcast Friday Flashbacks. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider becoming an MSB member. Just go to thesurvivalpodcast.com and click on members to learn more. You can also support our show by going to Tspas, that's T S P A Z tspaz.com. Anytime you shop online and while you'll support us no matter what you buy, you will find over 500 reviews of items I have personally tested and vouched for. And to stay in touch with us and never miss anything, Follow our channel or our group on Telegram. You can find links to that and all our social media options. Just go to the survivalpodcast.com and check the show notes for any episode.